I believe that becoming a better man means being more reliable and more supportive in relationships. Whether that be with friends, family or partners, human connection is important for all of us. So I've designed a test that will help you improve yourself and your relationships. There's a link to it in the show notes. I'll tell you more at the end of this episode. For now, enjoy listening. You want to blend in. You don't want to stick out because if you stick out, you're just you're a target. Welcome to Stories of Men, Beneath the Surface. I'm Alex Melia. Join me as we discover what it means to be a man in the modern era. Putting ourselves into new environments can be a daunting task for any man, but it can feel a lot more stressful for a child, particularly when you don't have the emotional maturity to deal with different thoughts and feelings that might arise. Valerio grew up in a small Italian province, a place where he had friends, knew the culture and overall enjoyed his life. Until one day, his dad got a job in London and the family up sticks and moved to the UK. Can you imagine this? He couldn't speak English, didn't know anyone and was being thrown in the deep end at a brand new school. It was my second day of school and I had just come out of a music class and then I remember kind of like almost having butterflies in my stomach because you know first day of school you don't know anyone you're going to this new place. I kept being told that it would only take me six months. That was the magic number it would only take you six months and you speak the language and I remember going to school thinking it'll be fine I'll be able to somehow speak I'll be able to somehow communicate I will meet new friends there must be someone else that speaks Italian there wasn't. Not not even a single teacher spoke Italian uh, in the school. What I'd done until then, because I was unfamiliar with the the school, the different buildings and having to move in between classes, I used to keep an eye on where my schoolmates were going and I would follow them to make sure that I would get myself in the right class. And I decided to take a sip of water. Next thing I know, I put my head back up and I don't see any of my classmates anymore. And I have a little bit of panic setting in because I'm thinking, okay, I kind of know the general direction I need to be going, but I've got no idea where I actually am supposed to be going. I remember whilst standing in a courtyard that uh, there was that sort of like faint smell from the cafeteria kind of whiffing in. And there is at least another three buildings that I could be going into right now but I, I don't know where I'm actually supposed to be going. And I remember looking in kind of like all directions and thinking, who can I ask as well? Because I didn't even know how to pronounce the building I was supposed to be going into, let alone knowing how to formulate the sentence, asking someone, okay, where do I need to go next? And as I was standing there, the atmosphere went from a little bit, you know, that background chatter that you get from uh, students being around and the background chatter began dropping more and more and more and I just stared down the road looking at all these buildings from a distance and as time goes by I can see less and less students in the actual courtyard until the point where I was alone and that felt very weird because I had never stood alone in such a big space without anyone talking around. So there was definitely that uh, sort of different sensation that uh, that you got from uh, almost hearing the pin drops. And when I was standing there, 
with the silence, with no one around, not knowing how to communicate, not knowing how to ask someone for help. It kind of dawned upon me that, that I, I was really alone. I was um, feeling that I didn't have anyone in the world. I felt that that sense of almost like despair within me, that I couldn't reach out for something so simple as asking for help or asking for direction. It felt very heavy at that point. It felt heavy because I, I realized that it was going to be an uphill battle. Getting to get accustomed to things, getting to learn the language, getting to, to a space where I was back in Italy, you know, having friends and having a normal life. That's all I'm asking for, a normal life. I knew that it was going to be an uphill battle. The next thing I did was to try and reach out for any sort of adults to try and find my way forward. So I found this random person who then turned out to be a janitor and uh, they kindly walked me all the way to the classroom from what i can tell anyway i think they've actually explained to the teacher that i got myself lost and uh, they've managed to kind of bring me back to this uh, to this class where where i was supposed to be going and you know i was a whole 15 minutes late and this is my second day of school uh, so i'm feeling like utterly embarrassed so not only i feel lost i'm also feeling embarrassed because i couldn't find my way around and doesn't sound like much but to a 12 year old that, that's a big deal you know now i think that would have been really difficult the system that is in place at a lot of schools to actually bring you in and to really integrate into the school. I don't think the resources were there if it was a government school. It sounds like it was a government school that you went to. Yeah, it, is. it was, yeah. And you were saying that, you know, that magic number of six months to become fluent <laughs> in the language, how long actually was it? I moved to an American school after, so grade 11, probably until year 12 to feel comfortable that I spoke English and people could understand me. And I mean, still today, I've got an accent, but I don't care about my accent anymore. Whereas uh, when I was in um, all the way up to university, I really cared about my accent. I was so self-conscious about it. I, I hated it. And what's the difference in sort of mentality now with it? I, I think what made a huge difference was for me was uh, volunteering. So I started volunteering for uh, St. John Ambulance. And uh, in doing so, I progressed within the structure, became a unit manager, uh, did a lot of training. And when I was really exposed to speaking in public and, uh, and realized that I, I'm okay to speak the way that I do and people can still understand me. And it's actually the minority that will have something to say about the way that I speak. Yeah, the majority are completely fine with it. And, and you realize actually that that's what makes you you is your accent. But as we go through school and even in our early 20s, we feel like we want to fit in. We don't want to necessarily be different from everyone else. But this is where your your unique capabilities as a person really flourish. You know, what makes you you? Yeah, correct. I, th I think you hit the nail on the head with uh, you want to blend in. You don't want to stick out because if you stick out, you just... You're a target. You're a target for a bully. You're a target for uh, someone saying something about you. And, uh, and you don't want to be in that position as a, as a teenager. How did that whole experience change you as a young boy and then into the man that you became by having such a, such a struggle that you had to go through, up in sticks, moving away from the comforts of, of, of Italy? Uh, as a 12-year-old boy in the UK, can't speak the language, don't know anybody, don't have any 
kind of anyone to lean on for support. Even your parents, as much as they were, I'm sure they were there for you, even they're trying to get to grips with their own surroundings, never mind helping you. I can look at the micro level and uh, the macro level is uh, me at school, me struggling and uh, and me not knowing what is happening, right? But if, if I step back a little bit and look at the macro level, um, wh- what I can see is that it wasn't so much perhaps a struggle about me not knowing the English or me not knowing what I was doing. It, it's actually, it turns out that it's, it's something that every single person that experiences change, especially change in school, changes in country, uh, goes through. It's almost like this roller coaster, and uh, you can find this. Uh, there is a graph that you can find online that actually shows you there is the height of the excitement, and then uh, you've got like the sudden realization that um, of what is happening. You know, she is it the fun in a way, <laughs> and uh, you're having to deal with uh, uh, with all the difficulties of being in a new place, and then you get kind of excited again because you make some new friends, and then like you know, there's a downturn again, and it's this basically this roller coaster that goes up and down. And I was shown that graph for the first time um, on the third school that I changed. So the school in Surbiton, that was the first school. I then went to an international school in, uh, in London and I stayed there for a year. And then my family got moved to West Africa. Wow. So we lived in, uh, in Senegal for two and a half years. And the high school counselor because it was an american school on i think it was on a first year uh, there was some sort of like college uh, classes that they were holding as uh, as made us aware of this um, roller coaster graph and the and the explanation of kind of what to expect when uh, new kids come to school so they were presenting it to us to make us aware of how other kids will feel when they come to school and there is me sitting there thinking oh that that's how I felt. That that's how I felt when I first moved country. When I moved to England, that's how I felt when I moved the first school, and that's how I felt when when I came into the school last year, and and didn't realize at all that everyone goes through this sort of experience, and everyone at, at a macro level will experience that uh, that sort of roller coaster, and it, and it was just interesting now being able to look back and think. I wish someone had explained that to me. <laughs> I can I can absolutely empathize with your situation because you know you do hear stories about people who who moved to the UK. I, I've got friends, for example, who might have moved to the UK when they were very young, primary school or secondary school. I think it would have been easier for you if you'd have moved there in primary school as opposed to the the, the daunting nature of, of secondary school. But to actually go through my whole education system in English was obviously a lot easier for me. But I'm thinking back to leaving primary school, a primary school that I absolutely loved, and then going to high school. Because when you're at primary school, I don't know what it was like for you in Italy, but you feel like it's obviously a, a much smaller group of students. And you feel like as you progress through the years and you feel like you've got some sort of status as a, as a, as a boy, as a kid there. And then when you go to high school, it's you're this like little dot amongst like a thing, it was like a thousand kids. I'm kind of curious that you had this um, this difficult experience at this first school you went to in England, and then you went to the international school. How was that different? Did you, was it sort of like a sense of relief that you had of, ah, oh, there's other kids who are also originally not from the UK and I feel a sense of comfort, or was it difficult? We'll get back to the episode in a second. Before that, I just want to say, If you think this episode would be useful to a friend, 
send it along. You never know, it might just be the exact thing they're looking for today. And now back to the show. So the, the majority of kids in the international school had gone through what I'd gone through. So there was a, a common language that we spoke. I'm not talking about English or Italian as a common language, a common language of, uh, of that adaptability piece. And uh, having to go through that roller coaster of, uh, okay, we're all in the same ride together. We all have gone through that high, those lows, and having to adapt, having to find new friends, and going through that circle. And there was almost this built-in empathy, in a way. I mean, don't get me wrong, right? Like, there were still, like, some really messed up problems in the school. <laughs> but as a starting point, it, it just... Um, it was a much more pleasant place to be in because kids understood that, that roller coaster through experience and subconsciously. Mm. How do you think life would have been different if you'd have, uh, as a boy, turned into a man, if you'd have stayed in Italy for that whole time? I, I've talked about this in uh, in one of our podcast episodes, actually, because it's uh, it's a reflection I've taken. And I don't think... I would have gone to university. I don't think I would have, certainly I don't think I would have had a podcast. I hated education. I hated studying. Um, I disliked subjects. Uh, I did not have encouragement from teachers when I was in Italy. And um, I kind of got labeled as um, this, uh, you know, you got straight A student. I was a straight C student when I was in Italy. I was just barely kind of scraping by uh, I think my big plan was to eventually kind of replace my dad in uh, in 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 the, in the workplace because you know Italy is quite uh, I think the word is uh, uh, there's a lot of nepotism uh, so you can get someone in you can get for an apprenticeship route and then replace the dad in the, in the job so that was like the big plan that was uh, that was for me uh, but I don't think I would have gone down the education route and. Um, and I think coming to, to England was the probably one of the most significant experiences that I've had. Um, and I need to be really grateful because my parents took a lot of sacrifices and, um, and they sacrificed the life that they had in Italy to, to help me and my sister. Mm. And it's interesting, is it? We talked before about the struggle. You know, where would you be without this struggle? Sometimes we have to even though we, sometimes we don't want to, but sometimes we have to be grateful for the struggle that we had because, of course, you didn't want a scenario where you leave all your friends in Italy and you have this sort of safe haven and you come to the UK and you're, you're having these difficulties, but it's obviously made you the man that you are today. And I think that for myself as well, I think of all the difficulties I've I've gone through, you know, it's uh, it's something to, yeah, definitely be grateful for, I think. I love that. I love that bit when you're in that courtyard and you're, looking around and you don't know where to go and you're having this big realization of I'm lost and there's no one around to help me of all people to come and help you. The janitor is there. You wouldn't expect you'd think like the head teacher or the head of year or the, one of the, one of the, your school teachers or whatever, but the janitor is there. So at least someone was there to help you at your lowest ebb. I think they just were so sorry for me. <laughs> it's like um, it, it, it's like when uh, when you got a tourist right coming to 
uh, I don't know, going to Oxford. And then they're like, oh, can you show me what, uh, what the big university that is really famous is? And then the, the local Oxford person turn around and be like, it's all around you. <laughs> you just take pity on, uh, on the people because they, they don't really know what, uh, wh where they are. And uh, I think the janitor took pity on me. And uh, although they could have just like fought me off and uh, said, you know, just just go in that direction and you'll find it. It was really kind of them to just take the time to walk me all the way to the class and uh, and show me where the class was. Well, where would you have been if the janitor wasn't there? You'd have just been stood there in, in the courtyard. And it's different because I feel like when you're at primary school, I think you would get a lot more guidance and help. But when there's just so many kids in a high school, you could have literally just been stood there for ages until until the, the the class finished, all the classes finished, and all the kids came out again. Yeah, exactly. And you know that that was an option realistically. But then there was also the part of me that was terrified about not showing up for class because I thought I was going to get told off for not showing up. And how am I going to explain that I got lost? And they might think that you were. Uh, we used to say the word "wagging it," basically truanting. I don't know if you've heard those, uh, like truanting, like not going to the class basically or or going home or, or messing around or whatever. So we said, oh, are you wagging it today? Are you not going to the class? So they might have thought that you were doing something illegitimately outside instead of going to the class. Exactly. And and I had that fear as well rushing through my, through my mind. And uh, of course, going along with, uh, with everything else that I was feeling about my experience. So you, you've kind of, you come to this school in England, you didn't have a pleasant experience. You go to the international school and you feel this, ah, oh, this sort of re uh, relief that there's other kids who've gone through this emotional journey that you described before. So that was over, it sounds like it was an overall positive experience. And then you have to leave that. How did you feel about having to leave those friends and and leave this sort of safe haven, perhaps, you know, to, to move to, not just move to another school, but leave the UK, leave the continent and go to Africa of all places. It was uh, heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. I had made some really good friends uh, that I enjoyed spending time with. And I remember that uh, the school is quite small, right? So the, the International School of London is um, has probably got a few hundred students, but it's not that big. And I remember standing in the kind of like the small entrance courtyard of the school on my last day at school. And I was sobbing like a child because I knew that I wasn't going to see those friends again. Because, of course, I was going to be moving miles away and uh, I couldn't exactly afford to jump on a plane and go see my friends. Yeah. Did you have any sort of resistance to going? Like you at that age, what, 16, 17, you're at that age where you go, you know what? I, 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 I'm not going, I'm staying here. Or did, or did you just kind of agree with whatever your parents decided? So I, I agreed with my, what my parents decided and it, it was an agreement out of necessity because there was no option of staying in England. Um, the only other option was to go back to Italy, but I didn't feel like I could fit in back into, into going to a state school in Italy because I didn't feel like I was as supported as I was in an international school. So it was that sort of agreement. But of course, I also had my first girlfriend at the time and uh, I had all of these friends and uh, part of me was, was kind of like shredding away because I was in pain of, uh, of leaving all of those people behind. And I had this whole feeling about being alone again and uh, having to start from scratch again. The 
This episode made me reflect a lot because it reminded me of moving primary schools at the age of seven. That was a hugely disruptive experience for me, but I can't imagine the isolation that Valeria must have experienced of not being able to speak the language, not knowing his way around, or having any friends. I moved just two miles down the road, and it was a really scary experience. But to move country would have been on a whole other level. This obviously happened a long time ago to Valerio in the 90s, but I don't think it would be a jump to suggest that a similar experience might happen to a little boy today, especially moving to a smaller, less metropolitan place where you're less likely to encounter people with different accents, cultures and religions. Where I went to school, for instance, which is a small town called Tilsley in Greater Manchester, it's difficult to remember hardly any other students who hadn't grown up in the UK. Valerio definitely would have felt singled out based on his accent. So what can we do as men to improve people's experience when moving to Britain as classmates, teachers and colleagues? And how does this sense of disruption and othering shape their experiences on the path of their way to becoming a man? Before you go, I need to tell you about our man test. Because as men, we can struggle to forge strong relationships, often by being bad communicators. I've definitely been there. This podcast is about helping you better understand who you are as a man to become the best version of yourself. And the team and I have designed a simple quiz for you to discover more about your identity as a modern man. It takes less than three minutes to complete, and it's going to help you establish better relationships and form stronger connections. Whether that's with your partner, friends or co-workers, the Man Quiz is going to help you become more trustworthy, reliable and dependable in all your relationships. Find the link to the quiz in the show notes now. You never know, you might just learn something new about yourself that you didn't know before.